So I'm Bradley and I'm here today with Mike O'Keefe from the Ohio State program. We're here at the GIS show in San Diego. Uh, and we just want to talk about the world reopening and various benefits for the Ohio program and how we can move these things forward. You want to talk a bit about yeah, the program, Mike? Yeah, thanks for having me on your podcast. I feel honored to be on it, to be honest with you, because I've heard, I've listened to virtually all of your podcasts, and I really like it because it gets the word out there, it gets people more informed, and I figure the person that's listening to you wants to better themselves. They want to get out there in the world and know what's going on in the turfgrass industry, so... As you know, we've gone through a tough time, uh, but we're trying to open back up. We're trying to get people aware of the fact that you can travel from New Zealand or Australia or England or wherever and come on the program. We have a structure. And today, I'm sure people listening to this are a little bit nervous about traveling, but I want to reassure them that we have a, a structure in place for them to do this, and we will help them get the visa, and we will help them get a great golf course, or if they're in the sports side of the business, we try to help them as well. But... We just want them to know that things are opening back up. Well, that's the thing. The world's really changed in the past few years, especially with travel. How mm. has it changed in terms of the way you do things? Has it made things more difficult? or if You know, it sounds funny, but no, because what it's done for me is it's brought out the best in people. The person who really wants to go has come out of the woodwork and they're determined to come on this program and they won't let barriers block them. And I'm so proud of the people that have come on the program. I have 19 interns from 11 countries here this week at the show. And I'm just so proud that they've done that because that tells me that these are the resilient ones. Some old folks like me have written off young people, but I'm telling you, these young people that are here have jumped through so many hoops. They've, been, they've learned to be flexible understanding and patient and they're the people that are going to be the future leaders in this business so how has it affected me i think it's brought out the best in people so i'm i'm, I'm happy that they're able yeah. to handle that challenge that's good so should we talk a little bit about what the program is and and what it involves and how people can get involved with it yeah um so really what we're trying to find is the the future leaders in the industry and our program is set up to identify the best of the best. And like I just said, the person who goes to the trouble of coming out of Tasmania, out of Hobart, and want to come up to the States, they've got some innate quality about them that they're willing to pick up, leave their family, leave their friends, come over to a different culture. So we're trying to find that person that really wants to get out there. But we're also, part of my job is I work for the U.S. State Department. So we want people to be welcome to the States. So we help them get that visa that the U.S. has a, a bad reputation of being, oh, you can't go to the States. The visa is too difficult. If you're in greenkeeping, if you're doing a NVQ or an SVQ, or if you're doing a diploma in Australia, you can do this as long as you're dedicated to this profession. And what we're trying to do is elevate the young person, young woman or young man, and realize that this is a profession. And we want to elevate you by getting you into the best facilities in America, getting you into what I call the best network as well. Because once you're done with the program, you're going to have a huge network. So that's the goal of the program is we're looking at young people who want to get into management, but they can't get there. They can't cross that bridge. We'll help them cross that bridge. And that's what that program is. It's a bridging program. So the program's often referred to as the top program in the world. Um, what's, the, what's the thing behind that? Because obviously we know it as the Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was actually a play on words that we are Ohio State. And I was at a meeting in Washington, D.C. one time, and one lady said to me, you're the Ohio program, right? And I was like, uh, are we? Oh, yeah, actually we are. 
Yeah, the Ohio program, T-O-P, it's the yeah. top program. In the UK and Australia, when you say you're the top program, it identifies as being the best program because we want people to know that it is the best program for them to come on and we're going to, we're going to get them up the ladder to the next level. And really what, what it does is gives an identifier to somebody to know it. And there's a sense of pride involved in people who have been on the program. They're out overseas and I get, I get people now in Australia saying we only want to interview people that have been on the Ohio program. And I, I, I found that out by accident because somebody complained and said, look, what chance do I have if I haven't been on the program? And I said, you know the way you solve that? Go on, on the, the damn program. program. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, this because I can't complain about a guy that I don't know yeah. is putting an advert out and saying, I want guys from the Ohio program. I didn't know the man. I didn't know he was doing this, but he saw the difference and the quality of the person. And that's what we're also trying to do is give you an edge and basically add value to your CV that nobody else has. And if you have that in an interview when you go in and if you've been in Australia and you've been in New Zealand and you go for a job back in England, who do you think they're going to hire? The guy that's from down the road or the guy that's traveled and seen so many different ways to manage grass? They're a better employee at the end of the day and that's our goal. So who do you recommend the program for? Do you recommend it for someone beginning or someone that's done a bit or maybe even someone really experienced? I would recommend it to all of the above actually the one who has no experience the one that's got medium or a lot of experience because we can cater to all of the above a young man that comes in with no experience he's very highly sought after because our golf courses are so innate that they would love to get a young man with no bad habits and train them and it's like bradley we're going to get you to cut cups the way we want it done yeah we're going to get if you you've learned. never done it wrong before if you, you've never yeah. you've, you're actually very yeah. attractive the guy that's got the middle of the road, he's gonna. we're going to identify what have you done. You've done this and this and this. Okay, we're going to focus on something else that you haven't done. We're going to get you peaking that. And then the rock star who's already done the belt free or he's been at Wentworth or he's been at Royal Melbourne. I have golf courses for them as well and they slot right into management yeah. almost. Now we don't call them managers, but they slot right in at that level. And the supers immediately identify with them. And they're like, we're going to get you doing this. So we can cater to all of the above. But the one that has no experience is actually quite attractive as well because we can train them. And when they leave us, they go out the door with all of that experience on their backs. And that's the way we want to do it is we've done this for you. It's like the glass half full. Yeah. We don't want you completely full, you know, because we can't add any more value to you. Well, that, that's one of the biggest things because obviously once you move on to the next golf course or the next stadium, the environment, the people can always be different. So you don't want to be perfectly trained in a way of doing something because you're going to go on and go. Actually, no, we don't. We don't hand cut stuff. We cut stuff with machines, and we, you know, yeah. we hand. We, you know, we maybe we use pedestrian sprayers and that sort of thing. And and that that's the thing as well that we we teach people to have an open mind. And what we do while you're here is we'll bring you in up north into cool season. And we might put a kid from Cork in Ireland down in Florida. And they might protest at first saying, Mike, I'm never going to work with Bermuda guys. Yeah, I said, yeah. I know, but just bear with me. And see we'll the process. See the process. See how see. it's different. And, and, and maybe you'll realize that you hate Bermuda grass and you'll never work in it again. Part of the program is to get you to identify different things and discover what you like in this profession and negate the ones that you don't like and know you get a better focus after you've been on the program. Yeah, definitely. And even for me, uh, working in Sydney, uh, seeing the warm grass and then coming back to the UK and going, oh, maybe I should try this, what we did on the warm grass, and then it worked. Ooh. And we went, oh, okay. You know, it, things around the world that we don't usually see, this is obviously something that you're pushing. That, that's what we're doing is putting a lot of different things in front of you. And in saying that, 
if I get a young man or woman from Australia coming into the States and we wrap them properly and they get a good experience, I'm going to recommend to them, you should go to England. And they're like, why? I said, because you're going to get a different manager that has a different mindset. And don't forget about the environmental movement now, that there's a lot more environmental issues coming up in the future. <coughs> so I encourage them to do that. And likewise with a young English guy, if he's here in the States and he's done really well, I'm going to say, hey, how about going to Sydney, Australia? Really, Mike? Really? I said, yes, because the Australians think differently and they have a much more rounded approach to golf course management and they're much more environmentally aware of what's out there. And the Australians are really good at taking everything that they need out of the States, yeah. letting go of all the stuff that they don't need and just, you know, handpicking Pick, what they want. Yeah. And that's what I want to do is it's not all about the States. It's about you getting a very diverse CV in the process and you become very employable then. And, it, and it's almost two ways as well because if you manage to keep them in the States or if they go back off somewhere else and then come back to the States, they bring that experience oh, and spread it around. Absolutely. The one thing I will tell you about the program is that we're not designed to keep people here in the States. I work, half my title is for the State Department. They want us to bring the young people in here, get the experience and take it back overseas. We're not encouraging them to stay in the States, even though it's the biggest market and yeah. it's very attractive. But we want them, with the value we add to their CV, they're employable anywhere. And I encourage them to go to Saudi, go to Dubai, go to Vietnam, and they do. I must have 20 guys in Dubai now. And it's because I've encouraged them, I've helped them, and they get good jobs out of it because it's very difficult to get a visa to stay here in the States. Yeah. So outside of the name, what other benefits? I know we spoke about going to the, the top venues, but what other benefits can you... From the program, you yeah, mean? In that sense, I'll tell you what it does is it teaches you life lessons. I mean, I watch boys come in and turn into men. I mean, it teaches them professionalism. You know, it gets you to a level where you realize if you want to get to the top, you see the, how these guys in the States do it. And I put them in with the best superintendents. And I mean, it also teaches you to be humble. When you go in and you work at the US Open or you're on TV and you're out there at Sawgrass and you're doing that stuff and you can get a big head real easy. But the one thing you notice about all the people I do with, they're very down to earth, they're very genuine. You met a couple of them today. Is it teach you humility? Because this industry is a wonderful industry and everybody in this industry are unbelievable people. And I've learned that humility as well. It's how gracious they are and how much they want to help and they give back. And the other things it teaches you to do is, it's coming in the UK, volunteering. Yes, it's very, very important. So. It's growing in the UK. <clears throat> it's yes. growing. And I remember Glenn Kirby, he works for Syngenta now. He was around tournaments here where you got the shirts and you got yeah. the food and everything. He went to the London Club. He fought for trying to get the volunteers' benefits and trying to respect the volunteer. Yeah. And it's good for your mind to go volunteer, you know, mentally. It's also good for your CV. Yeah, it's great for your CV, but also on the back of it, you don't just want to be clearing up, divoting. No, no. You, know, you, you want these to be involved oh. in using machines, spraying, oh, not absolutely. just breaking bunkers. I know, and that's the thing that's coming, is that more the, the, the development of the volunteer and giving them more opportunities. Yeah. And, they perfected here in the States. Sawgrass perfected. I mean, they spoil people that come in. And I don't mind that. It's it's a good thing because then you go out and you're an ambassador for the TPC group or for any of the other big tournaments. And we, we, we have an obligation to set the trend with having such a giant industry here. And we want to be leaders and giving people example. And now John Deere bring in people from Australia and New Zealand and COVID put a stop to it. Yeah. But in the future, they're going to do it. And 
I stand back and I admire that and it, it helps me as well because they let me talk to the to the superintendents about getting a young person from their crew maybe to come on the program. So it's all it's a win-win for everybody. So when's a good time to do the program? Is now becoming a good time? Well, I tell you what, you talk about a good time. We were we were talking last night to the kids and coming out of COVID, the golf industry is COVID's been good to the golf industry. You know that, yeah. right? So the golf courses are fluid with with cash and they see opportunity for people so this is a great time for people to get into the profession to add more value get more education I mean to come on to the program itself the best time to apply is in October and come out here in April of the following year be it this year or next year whatever because I want you to come in if you're from your market is predominantly UK or Australia I want you to come in and experience the full gamut of the seasons April, you ease in before the American students come out of college. You get the primo spots, and then you get into the season. The temperatures rise April, May, June, and the height of the season is July. And then you get the best jobs, and then you finish off in October. And then I move you down south to Florida in October, and you get to see a season, complete season down there as well. So you get two full seasons yeah. in one year. And do you cover the transition zone? We do. Like the Quail Hollow down in North Carolina. Some of them they overseed, some of them spray, some yeah, of them don't. They, these are things maybe that in the, in the UK and the Northern Hemisphere that they'd never even think about. I know people that didn't even know there was a transition between grass. It was just warm and then cold. Well, um, the chap you met earlier, John Wright from Sea Pines, they, uh, they will overseed. Um, sometimes they will not overseed. Uh, but they have a PGA Tour event, so they kind of have to for the yeah. for the high definition. Yeah. Uh, but just going through the overseeding process is a real education. And your students are fully involved. With that. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. They get to see the whole thing and the damage it causes to the Bermuda grass <laughs> when you have to come out yeah. of it in the springtime. And a lot of courses with budgets tight, they don't oversee. They just color the greens, so they don't do as much damage in the transition kind of of the grasses and. It really depends on what your budget is, but many of the courses I deal with, they do overseed, and the kids get to do it, and it's, it's quite an educational process. You've got disease when you're putting in the seed in the October, and they're very sensitive to that time of the year to get, the, get it to take properly as well, so they, they get through all the agronomics of it. You know, is it expensive yes. to do yeah. the program? Like, can anybody do it, or how expensive is it to do? Because you know, when I first came on the program, I didn't have enough of money. Yeah. I found out about it, and then I'm like, I can't afford that. You know, but it wasn't a lot of money. It was the flights, an application fee, the embassy fees. And, and it really when wasn't. You put it all together. It's, yeah, it wasn't yeah. a lot of money because yeah. we're a nonprofit. We we don't we don't profit from the kids. They pay about four hundred pounds, probably, of an application fee. And then how we make our money, Bradley, is um, we charge the golf course to train them. So we charge the golf course. And I always tell the kids that because I said, they're paying us to train you. Yeah. Where else in the world does a golf course do that? Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. If you ask a golf course to pay to take a student, now we charge them like, what is it, like $100 a month or something? Like, it's trivial. Yeah, it's so, in the so, grand scheme of... Yeah, yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing. So we want them to stay for the maximum visa because we have expenses. Yeah. We don't get a dime from the university to run this. I mean, this... This here cost me fifty thousand a year to to use the name. Yeah, fifty thousand. Can you imagine? Welcome to America. It's called. <laughs> <laughs> so what we do is we in our program to give back to the university, put up a scholarship for somebody if they want to do a master's degree. We pay for a master's degree every year. So, but you have to have a four-year degree. Yeah. Because our whole thing is education, right? 
we don't push it on those kids because the predominant kids we get in, from your market is NVQs or SVQs. Yes, or, yes. They're not four-year degree students. So they're, they're he'll listen to what he says, <laughs> man. He'll, he'll lead you straight. <laughs> so he's the CEO of GCSA. There's a president who was also there last night. I got him to come and talk to my guys. And he's the big dog. And he's the one that runs everything, basically. So, so And they've gone through hell. I mean, just pure hell. Actually, the guy standing next to him with the bald head is the president of GCSA. Mark Jordan is his name. Okay. He's a good friend of mine. He's from, he's, he went to school at Ohio State. And he, uh, he, he's got a turf degree from Ohio State. So what I was saying is we, we work in the academic world. I don't because I don't want to intimidate the kids. I don't talk in that speak on purpose because I don't want them to sound like, oh, shit, I don't have the education. I can't do that. So we are a university. But because Ohio State's so big, we have that obligation to go out and reach out. And I work... Part of my title is a, I'm a, called an alternate responsible officer for the State Department. I sign the visas. Yeah. I've got the license eventually to do the visas for the kids. So there's a terrible reputation about America be so difficult to get into. Yeah. And we want to make it easy. And then it becomes more of a friendly country to come into. But in turf grass. Yes. Now, I don't yeah. know if you know, but we, turf is the smallest part of our program. We bring in 500 kids a year. So I, I like turf, but I manage... Greenhouse, nursery, garden center, farming, yeah. combine crews, wineries, flower shops. I mean, we have kids in Hawaii on a coffee plantation, and we have people up in Nantucket in a, like a veg, organic vegetables. So that's somebody asked me, what's your area? And I said, that's my area. Yeah. Hawaii <laughs> to Nantucket. And if, I don't know area. if you know where Nantucket yeah. is. It's, yeah, right out. Yeah. yeah, that's our area. So, so but so, turf is the smallest part of our program, but it's specialized. So who's the program for? It's really an age bracket like of um, 19 to 28 uh, is the ideal age bracket. But shit, I brought in a retired cop from Ireland. He was 50 years old. Okay, we don't really set the guidelines as who can come in. That happens in the embassy. Yeah. If the embassy look at you and they think you're what they call a flight risk, yeah. <coughs> they will refuse you a visa. You're going to drop your bags and stay. <laughs> we, yeah. We watch what kind of profile there is. But in the UK, if they see a person who has done the education and who's genuine about going over and getting the experience and coming back to the UK and making a difference. They tend to let people through, but they want to see, you know, have you got any ties to the UK? Are you just going to leave yeah. and stay? So they don't want that. What's the good level of, of qualification to be at before joining? Ideally, like um, uh, NVQ level two. Uh, because NVQ level three is more in management. Yeah. When you've done the states, then you understand better what the management is at level three. Yeah. Ideally, uh, uh, HND is good, uh, foundation degree, yeah. um, because then you realize I need to get the full degree because you get paid more if you have a full degree. Yeah. The mindset of an NVQ guy is like, the club haven't paid for me, so I don't want to do the next one. I don't want that mindset. And I have to kick him and saying, dude, it's your career. Yeah. You need to drop the money. You need to invest in yourself. The club doesn't give a shit. They're just trying to find cheap labor. We're trying to add value to your CV so you get the hell away from that club. If you don't have the right mindset about, I need to add more value to my CV, yeah. you're not going anywhere. Do you know the NVQ system? Yeah, Is yeah. that what you did? Or? Yeah, I've done three NVQs and then went on to private... Um, uh, private trainer. GMA. GMA, okay, yeah. I've heard of GMA. Well. I subtly, because we're an educational institution, subtly 
push the guys to try to do the advanced diploma or in Australia yeah. or to do the, the, the HNC in Scotland or to do the, the foundation degree or the degree. Because tomorrow, the accountant, the general manager, they want to see that degree because yeah. that's where it's going. That's where it's going, yeah. It's, and it's degree. It's degree. Because yeah. they're all, they all have degrees. When they sit down and they call me from clubs and say, Mike, we've got four guys. Which one should we hire? And they call me all the time and yeah. I do consulting for them. And I said, this guy has done this, right? But he doesn't have this. What's his future going to be? Is he going to want more education? And they ask that subject. Are you going to do more education? You know, what do you want to do? Oh, I've done an NVQ level three. That's enough. Really? No, there's never enough. Your golf course yeah, is yeah. going to be needing more technology. And everyone said, yeah. you're going to hire this guy. Nobody knows that I'm behind the scenes telling them what to do. I, th I think the important thing is, as well, with, with the education is the advancements. Mm. Someone might have done a level two or a level three mm. ten years ago, but in ten years' time, it's not going to be the same level no. three. And that's partly what we do. I don't do it directly, but we have what's called an advanced turf physiology course that they can do online yeah. to just refresh their brain, to get them thinking agronomically. And also with the introduction to turf grass management, they go stale after five or six years. They're not as switched on about yeah. what's happening out in the industry. Got to keep topping so up. We don't push it on them, but we have that online education for them to do if they want to do it. Because they sometimes ask me, what can I do? And I said, you can do that. You can go to Penn State. You can pay a shitload of money. Ours is $700 for a 10-module course. And people are like, what? That's it? I said, we are not going to charge you 20 grand for a piece of paper. So, And that's what happens is... The great guys at Penn State put that online program together 10, 20 years ago, but the bean counters got hold of it and said, we can make shitloads of money out of this. Just charge them whatever we want. The tough guys, guys lost control of the program. Yeah. And now it's 20 grand to do yeah, the program. It's the and it's horrible now. because yeah. there's young guys like me who didn't have that money. And it's only the guys that can have money that yeah. can do it. Uh, yeah, but to get to the money, So we keep gotta, the price yeah. down on purpose. It costs us $30,000 to actually put the course together. Right? You don't make $30,000 overnight when you're charging 700 bucks. No. But we do it on purpose so that everybody can do it. And I think there's 300 kids on the course now. So, and it's good for the masses, kind of. And courses here in the States are buying into it because they can't afford to send people to Penn State or to Rutgers or to Ohio State yeah. full-time. They call me up. A guy from Arizona called me the other day, and he's like, <coughs> Mike, would you talk to the board down here? Because I want to put all my guys on the online course. And I go... Listen, Josh, I'm not in charge of it. So you want me to talk about something that I don't run? Yeah. But it is Ohio State. I said, I can get the guy who's in charge of it on there. He goes, I've tried for six weeks to get him. He's so damn busy. He said, I want you to just talk about it. I said, okay, I'm happy to talk about it, but I will do a disclaimer yeah. that I'm not the one yeah, to put yeah. it together. You know, so, but, but yeah, I think the cost is important that the students realize that they can do this. It's not a money-making adventure for us. And we want them to realize that it shouldn't be a money-making adventure for them either. That they want to come for the value and the experience, yeah, the experience more than the money. Yeah. But they get paid very well. Yeah. And that's a worry for me because the word gets out. If they're getting paid 20 bucks an hour and they're getting paid time and a half for overtime and they don't pay for housing, yeah. and they don't pay for food, they make shitloads of money. And I keep that kind of low-key. And sometimes I get complained to about it saying, Mike, why don't you talk about the fact that you make money? I talk about the fact that whatever costs you get to pay you're going to get it back yeah and more and that's all i kind of say kind of and then you know the kids from africa i have to be careful with them because they smell the money yeah and they want to come for the money and then i see it and if i see it i go back to the university and say don't send me the kids don't talk about how much they make and when you get the alumni back ban them from talking about making 40 grand 
because 40 grand is like 400,000 yeah. in Kenya. That's a shitload of money. And they, some kid told me, oh, I bought a house for my mom. <laughs> bought a house for his mom and the money he made on the program. But you've changed someone's life. Oh, I know, and that's a wonderful thing. I want it to be more about them coming for the right reason, that he's going to get a job in the golf course industry and better the industry in Kenya or Zimbabwe or whatever. You know. And I know, and it's a good thing to do for them, but that's a different mindset than the English yeah. guy. You know, you're helping the English guy move up the ladder. Yeah. With a Kenyan, you don't know. You know, what's yeah. he going to do? Is he going to go into the golf course business? I, I've got a young lady, actually, Karen, from Kenya. I just helped her get a job at the Wisley. Um, the Wisley went through the process of doing the visa paperwork for her. It was a nightmare. But they did it. And she's a good kid. She's very good. But she's driven to be in the profession. And I said, one day I want you to be the superintendent of Karen Country Club. It's the best club in Kenya. And she goes, really? You think I can? And I tell her about Lara. You know, little Spanish girl from the Basque country. Yeah, asking a question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, said, I said, sky's the limit if you know that you can persevere and you're going to be out there and more education and you're doing this. And I said, Laura was no different from anybody else. She was just driven to do yeah. it. And she, she learned, she went back home. She went back to work for Paul at Real Madrid at yeah. the Sod Farm, right? When she went back home because she loved Paul and yeah. what he stood for and everything. And, I remember calling her and saying, hey, what are you doing? And she goes, well, I waited until I came home to start looking for a job, and now I'm waiting for a job, but Paul's giving me a job. Yeah. And I'm like, you need to do it before you go home. I tried to tell you, you know, you can't force him. She said, well, I'm up here in the sod farm, and I'm, uh, I've got some company here. I've got a, a guy here that's uh, talking to me. And I go, who's talking to you? Well, it's a mouse. He's in the shed with me here. And I'm going, oh, my God, she's losing it. Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, okay, and I called Paul and I said, you got to get her ass yeah, out of there. Yeah. So I called Alejandro in Paris and Alejandro said, Mike, I can't hire a female from Spain. I'm from Spain. It's going to look like nepotism. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm just telling you, you got a good person down there and you need help. Yeah. And six weeks later, guess what I heard? She was on the, on the set up there. And she got on really, really well. She was very driven. And yeah. Alejandro knew me. He knew the program. He'd hired about 10 of my guys. Unfortunately, with Mike being such a sought-after man, we did get him interrupted a couple of times during the podcast, and the last time we got interrupted, we ended up down a rabbit hole of conversations. Um, so what we've decided to do is to split the podcast into two, uh, and we will record a part two online with Mike uh, in the near future. So if you have any questions you do want to ask Mike, or you want me to ask Mike, uh, let us know in the comments below or give us an email at internationalgreenkeepers at gmail.com uh, and we'll get them questions answered for you but I'd like to say obviously thank you to Mike uh, for being on the podcast and dedicating his time uh, at a very busy show in San Diego to uh, talk to us about the Ohio State program and also I'd like to thank Dennis and Sisis for allowing me the opportunity to be there and do things like this and record uh, conversations with Mike hopefully in the future we get to do some more uh, and as always like I say just let us know what content you guys want and we'll provide it so thanks for listening guys please like comment subscribe and look forward to the next one